You are listening to CubeCast, the design ops podcast for design experts and leaders. Hello, guys. Welcome to the first, hopefully, first of many episodes uh, of our uh, podcast series at Cubics. We call it as CubeCast. And I'm Raghu. I'm going to be, I'm so fortunate to be the host for this first episode. And thanks for giving me that opportunity. So today we're going to discuss something really interesting. When this topic was given to me, I was wondering, oh my God, what a loaded term is this? It's called how to codify design culture in your organization. You know, such a long question and, you know, my head is already spinning, but I'm very, very fortunate to have two guests here today who are going to help us navigate through this very interesting terminology that I'm going to talk about and I'm going to make them you know, respond to some of, some of my questions that I, before that, you know, I'm going to take the liberty to introduce you both, uh, in my style. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know it. I'm a amateurish writer. So I thought, uh, why don't I take a stab at writing a limerick on both of you? Uh, you know, <laughs> feel free to, feel free to add to it. If you, if you, if, if you think it's necessary, but yeah, so my, First introduction goes like this. He's a founder of many companies. He also has many personalities. He has a magic wand called design and people awe at his work at the same time. He's a very Dr. Strange, the CEO of Qubits, Oro. Oro, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your word. <laughs> you have got po- poetic license. <laughs> so, do, do you want to add to this introduction? I mean, a few words about yourself in your own style, you know? Oro? Yeah, sure. I'm a true and true designer and uh, happy to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> just because I love the domain so much that I just kept on, kept on doing it as part of my job, as part of my uh, entrepreneurial journey. And I continue to do so. And it's pretty exciting. I'm learning every day. So as a uh, lifelong learner, as a uh, problem solver, that, that's what designers do. And I keep solving problems and I just love it. Uh, this is yet another problem to be solved, a pretty big one. And that's where we are standing at the crossroad of uh, design and design ops. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, this is indeed a crossroad, and I think I got my limerick right, but let me now do the second one. So this goes like this. Who says money men cannot be calm? He's a man of the moment, one who can face a storm. He's a magician who can win anything from small to large. We bank on his ability to create a market impact that's very, very large. He's our Iron Man. Welcome to the show, Shashank, and he's our chief business officer. What do you think, Shashank? Good, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. I think yeah, people have people have called me many names, but I think someone calling me magician is, I think, I must say, <laughs> pretty good. So thanks. Glad uh, to this introduction, yeah, Shashank. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you can say I'm 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 very entrepreneurial by heart. Love working with people who build things. That's and and I bring in. Uh, and whoever is building things, I bring in a lot of design thinking to that. So that's been sort of my my role of you know being a builder, being a entrepreneur, being a designer, and more recently uh, as an investor. So that was sort of a new thing to me. Enjoyed all those three roles, and and most important, like Oro Singh, I love solving problems that uh, that uh, I've been facing for the last more than thirty years of my career. So so yeah, uh, thanks thanks for having me. It's wonderful to talk to you. Uh, absolutely great gentlemen happy to have you here you know i must say you guys saved my day because if i were to be on your side i'll be wondering how do i answer this question by the way you know one of the best things about hosting a podcast show is you get an opportunity to learn a lot and i did my little bit to you know take these three interesting words out of this question the question was again how to codify design culture in your organization so i took three keywords culture design and codification and if you imagine these three words have completely different origins. You know, the word culture has an origin in social sciences, very abstract, very ambiguous. It, you know, interpretations are left to people who, you know, who want to understand the way they want to understand it. Design has origins in in the creative field. You guys are designers and you know it better than anybody else. And codification, interestingly, 
has deep rooted origins in law standardization you know the word is usually used a lot lot with you know legal standardization and such so you bring them together you know now you know why my head started spinning and if somebody were to answer this question it's it's not easy at all so i thought i'll lead this uh, conversation with this question to you both why don't you help us in very simple words both of you can take a shot at it you know help our audience you know demystify the idea of design culture right before we get into the nuanced view of the next set of things uh, or do you want to first yeah like you said it's a pretty <coughs> loaded term and culture has its model onion model right it's layered in multiple aspects and culture is always about how people can come about you know doing certain things in a certain way right it come it starts from certain ideas and then we layer it with certain customs then in in a way we start codifying it we say that okay this is the way we do stuff and then we start doing it so that reflects in the way we behave uh, in our day to day uh, life so when you come to design culture in my mind it's the same thing you know the ideas the customs the behavior that a set of designers display in their day to day life um yeah that's that 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 would be my answer i mean sashank over to you then yeah yeah no i see i've been mean, there is a very very famous term that peter drucker who was a guru of management he said that you know culture will eat eat a strategy for breakfast right so <laughs> you can no matter i mean no matter how hard you try you can get your strategy right but if you don't get the culture right and there are many examples where company have very toxic culture and not done very well but i'd like to slice uh, this culture thing in three dimensions and this is very specific to what we do what we're doing at cubits or how we are helping companies achieve the right culture in the organization first of all uh, in my opinion it's very important to know whether the culture is top down or bottoms up you know there are many many times it ha- it so happens that there are dictates from the top saying okay you have to do this whether people al- understand this people al- align to this it doesn't matter and again it's a, it's a bad way of doing things i think it's the right way to do things is when things really flow from bottom to up and of course there has to be a high level philosophy or guidelines that has been given at the top but a good culture is really stem really from the bottom so that's number one the second thing is about you know how how are you and and i'm very specifically talking about the the design function here where are you aligned to so alignment is very very critical you know many times i've i've seen that that alignment is not towards business but towards other things and then it will it will reduce the impact or it will dilute the impact and that's not the right culture to build it and the third aspect is you know how collaborative are you are you really involving everyone in the organization and i believe that if you are very collaborative if you create an organization which is which leverages each other that's the right culture to build so these three aspects of whether this is top down or bottom up whether it is aligned to the to the right values or the right business goals and most importantly is it collaborative will define how 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 your design function will will eventually shape up the culture in the organization this is this is very interesting you know oro and i when we used to work for sap you know long long time ago we used to go around and ask our customers uh, why do you implement erp right mm-hmm. and, and the easy answer that you get for that question is erp is basically a representation of our culture we use uh-huh. the hr system because we represent our culture in the hr system leave management is basically a representation of how we want to work and so on and so mm-hmm. forth sounds very interesting so you know oro said you know culture is a representation of the way you do certain things in a certain way and you put a lot of in, uh, importance on how it is set you know bottoms up should is more impact is more impact creating uh, alignment is important collaboration is pretty key is is key to you know i think these terminologies are a good starting point for this long demystification journey that we're going to go travel today together and hopefully at the end of it we all will realize that maybe the cubits platform is doing its bit to solve some of these challenges absolutely <laughs> right so so key takeaways you use similar words you know i'm just drawing out a synonym map here yeah so it's very interesting so a follow up question would be shashank you know you have this unique experience of you know running a design agency you've done that you've also run a very successful design led technology company so so i'm sure you have worked with a variety of individuals you know designers uh, product managers you know engineers so 
So it's a coming together of multiple personalities, right? Each one has its own essence. Yeah. So how did, did you, first of all, attempt to codify, set up a design culture first and codify that design culture in your previous organizations? And if you did, if you can throw some light on how did you go about doing it and did it benefit you? Yeah. So one of the first attempts I've been, and I've worked with both product companies, I've, I've worked with build services companies. So, so there's an interesting mix of people that I've met that I've interacted. I think more often than not, I mean, in, in my experience, what has worked best or what, what has given me the most bang for the buck is to actually do it and show it to them rather than sort of talk about saying, okay, hey, this is, this is what the benefit or this is what the ROI that design can bring. Many number of places, there were a lot of non-believers. There were people who didn't really value the contribution. I think it was for us to sort of show them saying, okay, hey, this is the value. And they could immediately see the before and after picture. So, so that sort of in, in my, this thing has worked, worked very well. And then we tried to codify that in, in many ways. You know, we would, we would sort of create a lot of case studies. We would create a lot of before and after showcases for senior managers, for product managers to, to kind of look at it and say, okay, hey, man, this is really the, we didn't really quantify the value that we bought in, but there was a lot of sort of before and after representation that we used to convince people at various levels. I mean, these could be very senior VPs, uh, executive VPs, product managers, developers. So that's sort of how we try to, I mean, I'm, I'm just giving a very small example. There are multiple other things that we did. We also built a lot of platforms for people to see, you know, all these case studies and all that. So there are multiple uh, things that we did. But yeah, I mean, primarily it was show and tell and demonstrating case studies is how we codified things. Cool. That's, that's, that's great. So basically what you're saying is follow the Nike uh, story, just do it and show it. Show it, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. no other way to, uh, to yeah. build that. There's no way other way to do it. Yeah. But uh, I'd love to hear Oro's perspective on that. Yeah. Oro? Yeah. So the challenge is same. I mean, you, you end up doing stuff, but people don't know why, why you did it. And for them to appreciate certain things, it has to be presented in a certain way. That is one aspect. But how do you get started? I mean, how do you, for me, culture is also like Susan was saying, bottom up, right? How do you make your team success? How, how, how can you find a way where designers find the right opportunities or right way of doing things, right? So what I saw in my journey as a designer in the past couple of decades is there are a few things, you know, accountability, right? Craftsmanship. And then finally tracking or how do you showcase your, your value proposition? And finally the governance, how do you make everybody come together and showcase what impact that you have made? So what, what, what I did in my, what I've seen in my, my career is um, one thing that works very well is if you bring everything on the table in a very transparent manner from the beginning itself starting from understanding what the client is really or the user or the stakeholder or the buyer is trying to achieve and figuring out how can you go to come to a conclusion and find a solution in that. That actually helped. So we put together a process. So what happened when we put together a process and assigned people to various activities that we're performing, we could come up with the effort very quickly we found the right people who will be doing the right kind of tasks from the beginning. This gives a lot of confidence to the sponsor who is putting the money on the table that we are going it, doing it the right way. We already could figure out how much time it is going to consume. So if you look at it, it's codification. In a way, we are, we are codifying certain things which can be applied to another project or another design intervention very quickly. Right? And by doing this, we could succeed. Actually, my, I, I mean, as a design consulting firm, we could succeed very well and complete large projects without any hiccups. Large companies came to us, even though they have tons of designers, saying that if you guys do it, you will do it faster. So we are talking about efficiency. They said it will be better. They were talking about efficacy, right? So I think codification, the way we did it, it definitely made sense. And some part of it is what we are trying to do as part of our uh, codification in qubits, right? Codification of design processes in qubits. That's in so, short. Auto, 
Yeah, so Oro, you were uh, one of the first designers to join SAP, right? I still remember those days, you know, you were in, you know, developers building different kinds of code. And how did you, if you can spend a few minutes on what did you do to make, you know, the developers around you aware of, you know, the design processes that you would typically follow? Because in any startup, right, you know, the first thing that happens is it's loaded with a lot of tech, tech fellows. And then a designer comes in and it's like, you know, you're put in marts, right? You don't know what to do next. So they, I try and do something about it. So what would you do? I mean, how would you, you know, bring in this idea of codification when you are the lone hearts trying to do something? Certainly, I've been very structured from the from day one of my career. That's maybe naturally and that way. What I did is actually I reviewed the entire uh, product without any, you know, too much of time from the dev team and the product manager team. That gave me a lot of ideas. And I went with certain ideas to them saying that, okay, if we fix these problems, this product would be better. And we could prioritize things very fast. We had less conflict because the entire development team was there, project product management team was there, right? People were involved from the beginning. We agreed that, okay, these are the five things that we could do very quickly. And most interestingly, something caught people's eyes. Okay, we can make the product really very visual, right? Uh, bringing charts and graphs and stuff like that. And for that, I created a prototype. Again, I made it very visual. I made it look like the product. That helped the development team and product management team to appreciate the impact of such a new feature and a new solution. So when you are coming up with ideas and designs, if we, if we empathize with our development team, as much as we empathize with our product, sorry, end users, we will end up, you know, defining a way of working with them, yeah. bouncing off the ideas in a way that 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 makes sense to them. Instead of you know throwing a lot of you know a lot of uh, word documents on their face, go with some ideas that actually make sense, which can be built, and where they can take it up and suggest that this will take this much of cost and effort to build it. Right? Absolutely. It's in a way, if you look look back, it's codification, right? The process that we have followed, you can't dispute that it doesn't work even today. That right. worked. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying from what I've heard so far is do it, do it again, do it again, and do it again till the culture is established. It's it's a behavioral principle called as deliberate practice. And mm -hmm. when you do things multiple times, it gets established in a certain way. Fantastic. Shashank, you you have in your career as a as a as a investor, you've seen a lot of your portfolio companies, right? I mean, they're small, they're big, they're extra. And I'm sure you've, your 30 years of uh, software journey met a lot of uh, software companies. Wanted to pick your brains on what, what type of companies do you think are making this change? First of all, is the change happening? Is there a culture of, you know, codification of design in all in, in happening today? If yes, what kind of companies are actually in? So I'll, I'll sort of map this in three phases that sort of maps to, you know, there are these 10-year periods that I, that I look at. You know, the first 10-year period was, you know, I, I would go and meet every company that I've ever And I'm talking about companies like, you know, Infosys, Mastic, Wipros, I mean, some of these big giants that, that I met. And very few of them really understood what, what design is or what value that design can bring. And this, I would say that was... Then the next 10, which I'll say post Y2K from 2000 to maybe 2010, was the era where um, middle of that, there's this whole big iPad, iPhone revolution that happened. After that, I think this this just went kind of spiraling uh, into 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 next orbit. So, but however, in the last 10 years, you know, I would say like 2012 to 2022, I've been seeing that almost every company that I meet, be it a services company, be it a product company, I think design has become like a mandatory function for them. I mean, every company wants to, I mean, we are in a, in a era where there is this, this lack of, a lack of quality design bandwidth. And, and that's, that's another challenge that people are struggling with, but it's hard to imagine that a startup has come up with, which doesn't have any design skills to begin with, or it's hard to think of any services company that doesn't have any design as their core core team. So this is, I've been seeing like a uh, tectonic shift in the way people are looking at product companies. And I'm, I'm just not talking about companies just that are here. I mean, these are, this is a global phenomenon. It could be in US, it could be in Europe, it could be in uh, other parts of the country, but it's a, it's a, it's a global phenomenon where people are, it's becoming mandatory for having a designer or a person with some sort of a user experience 
customer experience skills to be on board to as part of the team that ideates the product as a part of uh, this thing that sort of thinks of you know what what could be the what what should be the should be the strategy what should be the philosophy uh, how the product is built and 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 i'm talking purely from the user or customer perspective so there's there is a tectonic shift happening and it's i, I believe that that will continue to grow or that will continue to increase in next next few years well you just defined uh, you know like we say you know bc and ad you know <laughs> you yeah. basically define before the design sensitive world and after the design sensitive world. actually uh, yeah. iphone in my opinion was was that uh, that inflection uh, point inflection point or that that what you call it uh, like a seminal moment before that tipping point or so where people really started talking about simplicity user experience intuitiveness as as if these were words that they were born with yeah and very interesting uh, yeah sorry sorry go ahead you finish your flow of thought no uh, uh, and just to close that point i mean uh, the same customers out that i would go to even like you know and that <laughs> before before that tipping point it would be like you know it was always a lot of convincing and a lot of negotiating with them on why you need design but post that it kind of became very easy yeah so are there struggles uh, or this journey i mean because you know if you look at if you're a large company and um, design is always a small little pond but so even if it's not like that that's how it's perceived right you know are there struggles because first of all is establishing design culture and codification on top of it do you think it should be a design led initiative or should it be an organization led initiative right what it would be your be a, thought it should be organization led initiative right building a design culture is is not the only the design department's better to get a fix on this is something that that is important just just give me a second just give me a second just yeah so sorry no um yeah so you so you were saying you're saying you're saying that establishing design culture and codification on top should be a organization led initiative because it's everybody's yes. responsibility it's everybody's responsibility and design is not not a putting lipstick on a pig kind of business right it has large impact it has revenue impact it has value impact and it makes your product really acceptable uh, to to your users it improves trust i mean if you look at the huge impact design next and where uh, it is standing uh, today uh, in the organizational hierarchy is not fair i mean i think organizations should put put um, another extra step to ensure that design culture is established within the organization which means that that is a user centric way of building products designers mm-hmm. are given a seat at the table and and their way of work is um, appreciated and everybody contributes in a way that design function can deliver value to the entire organization so if i were to ask both of you you know if you can talk about one you know challenge that would stop you from establishing this culture of design and codification in your respective organizations what would that be right and how would you go about you know solving that challenge and i, I want to play a game here to just keep it a little bit interesting so oro you state the challenge and i would like to you know ask shashank to see if he can provide uh, the solution for the challenge and vice versa <laughs> let's let's see let's explain something very interesting out here so uh, oro what do you think is the biggest challenge in your mind in 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 taking this forward that companies think that the design teams actually slow them down <laughs> that's the okay. challenge yeah okay that you think is one of the biggest struggles that companies face in establishing a design culture yeah they think that design is just i mean auxiliary service and mm-hmm. it's not really that important and uh, designers tend to slow their development timeline or go to market yeah interesting so shang would you want to state oh, your no. respond to oro and then state your challenge or circle rather no i think i think there are several data points i think that prove that okay, if you if you really follow a, a design process that will save uh, a lot of dev time it will save a lot of rework 
and it also bring clarity to everyone. So there are enough data points that are available. I think uh, we need to present the, the data points. I mean, ideally it will be good if it can be done from maybe your own context, but in case that context not available, there are publicly a few case studies that talk about, you know, the huge advantage that, uh, that front design or, you know, putting a lot of design efforts earlier. But I think one of the biggest challenges that I have seen is, you know, convincing the top management on the utility or usefulness of design. And this is sort of, you know, sometimes people get very fixated. I mean, they, uh, it's not that, I mean, everyone talks about design thinking, everyone talks about saying, but, it, but for them, it's like, they, they don't have very fundamental understanding. And unfortunately, many of our management schools, many of our technology institutions don't teach about, um, sensitivity don't don't talk about empathy so they, they don't have a good understanding of what this function will bring and it's sort of very hard for a lot of the senior management to appreciate to understand what value that they can bring uh, especially at the strategic level tactical level they'll understand that you can create some beautiful icon beautiful pictures so that's one of the biggest challenges that i have seen in my life and i don't know how, how Aura has tried to solve that or try to uh, look at it Aru? yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> what you're saying is um, getting the the leaders of the organization understand the yeah yeah power power of design and how it it's going to impact is a big big challenge and how do we how might we really help them understand this that's that's the biggest challenge and there is no shortcut to it I mean I I understand that business understand one thing it's about money. It's about the numbers, right? About acquisition, adoption, right? So it's always about the metrics. They drive their entire life around certain numbers. They rally people around it. Now, can design really bring, quantify the impact that they are making before these these stakeholders, because before these leaders? It's there is no short shortcut to do it. But if we do it on a regular basis. I mean, mind, design teams have to be very mindful about it. We can't be just doing, you know, doing pixel pushing every every day without thinking what impact it is actually making. And we cannot be pushing pixels without understanding why we are doing that. So from day one itself, if the design team can align with the stakeholders, bring in certain level of accountability from both the sides, bring in certain alignment in terms of what is it that we want to achieve in terms of the larger goal, in, the, in terms of larger goals, uh, visions, and uh, the kind of measurement criteria that we have to uh, justify the existence of a, a design team. Probably within six months or one year, you'll be able to show, justify the value of design. I mean, that's the only way to do it. There is no shortcut, there is no quick win uh, in this challenge. Yeah. But you know what's most interesting? You know, we started with the with the coinage called alignment, and we have come back to it. So you know, I, I think what I'm taking away from from this response is, you know, the biggest impediment is to convince people, you know, to ensure that design is critical for success, and alignment plays a major role. And I now go back to the Cubus value proposition, and you know, I feel really excited that that's one of the pillars that we are trying to resolve. Before we get into the second leg of the conversation, I really have a very interesting question for you. Both of you have been designers for a very long time. You know, the moment you put processes on top of a creative, mm -hmm. it kills your creativity, right? There's no creative person wants to be boxed or process bound. Process means box. Box means killing creativity. How do you, how do you, you know, if you were to talk to a one-year-old designer, I mean, a designer with one-year experience, that's what I meant, how would you advise them to be process-bound along with so many other things that they're doing? I would like to really hear, I know it's a little tangent from what we are discussing, but I think it's very important because there are so many designers that are coming out, there's so many design schools in India, and how do you, what kind of advice would you give to young designers who think that, oh, if I'm process-bound, I'm boxed, I can't be creative anymore. What would you say? I would like to hear both of you. Whoever wants to take a shot at it first. Yeah, I'll go first on this because uh, this is something uh, I there was a conversation in, in LinkedIn on this, right? Oh, okay. That processes, yeah. So uh, this is re regarding processes and how it is actually tying the designer's hand. My point is, we should we shouldn't be so dogmatic about design processes. Processes are just for pure reference. It's a way of saying that people have done this and it has worked doesn't mean that it will work for you. 
but evidence says that okay it works for most of the time it works so take it as a reference and work on top of it because your context is very different your budget is very different your constraints are very different the kind of people who are working in the project are very different the kind of competency that is required and what you have are very different right a process allows you to save on the cold start problem it's not an end all solution to all the problems that you would have to solve a particular design challenge right i would say take the process with a pinch of salt if it has succeeded 60% of the time there is still chances of 40% failure but you as a designer a creative person and who understand the ground reality of the problem that you are trying to solve tweak it so that it fits into the scheme of your problem and solve it accordingly change the process so that it fits into your schema within your constraint and probably you will have a better chance of success mm -hmm. yeah wonderful so sashank i mean i've seen in the uh, developer world that once you're given a problem immediately you know sit in front of your computer and write your react js program or node js program or java program i mean if i have to draw a parallel in the design world people open up figma and suddenly start drawing lines and colors and pixels and all that stuff you know how would you advise them hey take a step back look at you know the process around it and then how would you you know educate them and tell them that this is so critical for the eventual goal that they so you know i believe that every every function be it's not just uh, restricted to design but even to development or maybe um, maybe marketing sales everyone has to have a process you know there has to be a certain way of working of how you start looking at the problem and what you deliver at the other end as a solution or as some 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 delivery artifact so process not 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 just for for designers i think it, everyone has to follow it and everyone has to i think within that and you know you could have multiple thing like for example i i have to do some research right and for that maybe i have to do uh, there's a there's, there's interviews that i conduct or maybe i do some focus groups or something now i mean that's a process that okay hey, you have to do research before you start doing in your in your architecture or you do before you do your design you have to do some high level information so that's a that's a step or that's the way naturally that you do because there is some logical way of doing things so i i, I would say that you know if you now let's say there's a box where i have to say i have to do some interviews or i have to do some focus now how creatively i do this is is entirely up to it so i think process doesn't kill creativity in fact it will help you sort of channelize your creativity right because no one is asking you to kind of saying okay hey you should only do it in a certain manner you have a complete freedom or you have the complete creative right to do things in a certain manner it's just that there is a a logical way of doing things and that's what the design process will bring to the table and what is that logical flow or what is that workflow i think every company every organization has to design decide it for themselves because some of them could be research heavy some of them could be design heavy some of them could be testing heavy so they have to decide what their focus is put that logical way of working or that process in, in place and execute execute on this so i would i would say that it's important for every designer every uh, researcher every tester to understand that there is a there's a logical sequence of doing things and it's important to understand that and do it in that manner if you miss one of the sequences you're going to you, you're going to face i mean there's going to be some sort of a risk associated with that i mean i can start working on directly on design like you know you're saying you can start doing coding but if i don't understand the requirements very well or if i have not studied the requirements very well if i have not had done the high level information architecture for that it's it is going to have some implications i think we just got our pitch ready for educational institutions i suppose <laughs> for i mean uh, jokes apart i think it's important for i mean this part of the podcast maybe we should we should just pass it on to young designers so that they understand the uh, impact of you know being structured and follow a process to achieve their ultimate objective of creating a great on that count i'll just move to the next leg of our conversation shashank this question is for you you've done a lot of selling in the past as well you know do you really see that design led companies have you know true competitive edge you know compared to non design led companies and you know and what kind of competitive advantages do you see 
in design-led organizations. I think there are, again, several studies that point to saying, okay, hey, how design-led companies, and what I meant, design-led companies that design as a function, and that function report, really reports to the, the top management. So there are there are public studies that point to saying, okay, these companies have done twice better as compared to their peers in terms of the value that they've created for shareholders. Mm-hmm. So uh, there and there are other studies from IBM, Forrester, McKinsey, which point to multiple advantages of, you know, being a design-led organization. And I think these days everyone talks about, you know, the, the whole service experience is going to be the driver, you know, be it, be it airlines or be it e-commerce or be it banking, financial companies. So all of mm-hmm. them, uh, we talk about, you know, how there's going to be like an end-to-end experience, not just one touch point, but multiple touch points. So it, I think it's, it's, it's natural that you know if you don't pay aspects your customer is going to be in this hyper competitive world people are going to get unhappy with one banking or one airline and they're going to shift their loyalties so it's it's very critical that and and, and that's that's being sort of reflected that the fact that there is so much of demand for design professionals across across the world mm-hmm. So, Auro, I mean, I mean, you you've served a lot of clients in uh, in your previous capacity as uh, chief design officer at a at a very uh, premium uh, design agency. I'm sure when you bid for a particular program, I'm sure a lot of competition would be there. How would you prove your worth as a company? You know, keeping all the design stories in mind in order to win a bid, because unless you prove that you're structured, you're able to you know give the outcome. I mean, large companies typically won't trust. So what did you do to ensure that there is a level of trust that's established thanks to all the processes that you're following in your company? Okay. <clears throat> the trust comes from the fact that it has actually led some results, right? That's the, that's the ground rule of, of any, any business. So what we had was a pool of work. One, there are two aspects to any design, right? Mm-hmm. Do we understand your target customers or users do we understand them deeply do you do we really know what what they what they need what what are the challenges that they are facing and what really needs to be solved the second mm-hmm. leg is how do we solve it right mm-hmm. so what and why are users need and how do we solve it this is the second leg mm-hmm. and we offered both these services in the first place right if you look at um, large companies, what are they really seeking? It's not like they're, they're looking for only pixel pushers, right? They're looking for people who have holistic understanding of business, holistic understanding of the target user group and uh, who will be using the uh, product, who have access to the right talent pool with the right competency mix, right? Who can actually solve that problem. It's not like you give it to one, one what you call it, uh, a freelance consultant and he can solve the problem of a large company. No, it's not possible, right? We are not large, but we solve problems of large companies because we know what kind of people are required to solve that problem. So putting the right team. Mm-hmm. Then secondly, having that right process, the right way of communicating the value, right way of engaging with our end users at the same time with, with, the, with the stakeholders or the mm-hmm. uh, sponsor. Right, and finally, getting these things done in a way which is predictable. There will be always be ten different kind of uh, employees will be moving in and out of the organization. But at mm-hmm. the same time, can you really maintain the quality without compromising on the value that you are offering? Mm-hmm. Right. In short, it's, it's a way of codifying the way we work, right? Independent of uh, your uh, employees, but dependent on the target market that you are targeting, the stakeholders requirements, the budget constraint that you have, the timeline that you have, right? At the end of it, how do you deliver the promised value that you wanted to deliver? When everything comes together, the value is in the journey, in the process. End result, neither you know nor I know. But what has worked is, because you do it the right way, the end result always has been good so far. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. This is good. This is good. So I, I, I just want to see if I can bring in some confusion into this conversation. So while I was reading about design processes, design culture, another impressive coinage hit my search results, which is design maturity. So do you guys think that they are connected by any means? Right? Codification of design culture on one side, if you were to imagine this as a balance, 
and design maturity as the other side. First of all, are they related? Do you think they're related? If yes, how? Do one thing, does one thing contribute to the other? And if yes, how? I mean, if you can take independent step at this, at this conundrum that I have right now. <laughs> Shashank, do you want to start? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm just, you know, of course, you know, if, if you have a more mature organization, I'm assuming that there'll be sort of a well-balanced culture that will be high to have. They'll, they'll, of course, be correlation that will point to saying, okay, if, if you have a higher maturity, then of course, you'll be doing much, much better in terms of how well you've integrated design, how well you've integrated the design function, how well you've integrated, how well you've collaborated with the, with the design function. So I would, I would, I would tend to believe that, you know, there, there'll be a direct correlation. However, if, if you ask me what will be the facets of that, I think we need to get a little deeper into that and try and understand, you know, where the intersections are and how, uh, how those, but by and large, I would imagine that they'll have a direct correlation. I think this might be a separate podcast. Or do you want to take a uh, quick shot at it? You're on mute or yeah, culture can be good or bad, right? It can be either way. And when we say maturity, we, we really look at it from the uh, higher side and the upper side. So is it linked? Yes, definitely linked. A good design culture um, will lead to higher design maturity, which essentially means that the team will be very appreciative. The leadership is um, very empathetic. They understand the importance of design and they will have ideally very clear vision and uh, the execution will be very collaborative. It's not like you know pushed by the leadership saying that, okay, we need to get this thing done this way, that way, et cetera. And there will be continuous learning and continuous measurement, right? Maturity means a way of working that, that, that is little predictable at the same time, a, a way of working together towards a common goal and a vision. So I think it is pretty much, it's, it's tied at the future, we'll have very high design maturity. Interesting. I think we should still delve deeper into this relationship. I just wanted to, I thought I could bring in a chaos, but you guys handled it pretty well. So I failed at it miserably, but I think there's a, <laughs> a learning that I carry from here. Another thing that always comes out of processes, you know, sometimes there is this fear to adopt processes. And that fear is essentially because when you're process bound, you know, sometimes your failures are exposed as well, right? A lot of people are, you know, fearful of adopting something because even if and when they adopt, you know, and if there are deviations from there, it's pretty clear. And let's say if Qubits were to, you know, ask people to codify their culture and if there are deviations from there, the platform is going to record everything, right? And for that matter, any platform. So, so obviously people don't want to fail and everybody wants to show themselves in the best of colors. So what would you advise people if, if there is friction to adopt standardization because of the fear of failure? How would you advise people to, you know, forget about it, but it's still important? Auro? Yeah, so the, your question is uh, how the friction of the, the... Yeah, because processes have this innate ability to expose failures, right? Right, uh, right. It, because everything is transparent now. Right. Because of which there could be friction to adopt a process. Mm -hmm. Because of which so you don't do... want to codify your entire design culture. Right? right. How do you advise those people? Hey, don't worry about it. It's important. You know. How do you kill that friction? Okay. First thing that I I will not even bother to uh, teach them about processes in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. We are talking about design culture. First thing, you know treat design properly, treat design function at par with your, like you treat development and sales and marketing and other HR, uh, all these functions, right? Give them a seat at the table. They should be given empowered to, with their tools, resources, money to drive certain things and they will take care of the processes. And finally, designers are the bridge between your target, your user group and the business. Right? It's, it's not, I don't think the sales and marketing it's between the people and the business comes the design team. So give them that environment. They will take care of everything else in terms of defining the process and uh, delivering on the value, promising, promised value that, that, that they uh, hope to achieve. Got it. Got it. So Shashank, uh, 
you know i've just one point to add oh, absolutely go ahead what, please what what happens in my experience is that you know typically resistance for the process i think process i think everyone understand that you need to follow i think what 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 happens the process does not have very defined handshakes mm-hmm. okay of, you know how how product management should handshake to because because the process have been designed in isolation you know product mm-hmm. management will define their own process design will there define their own process oh. development will dis- define their own process and there's very little thinking that goes in of saying okay how where are the handshakes uh, or how that handshakes could be uh, streamlined or created m- more seamless i think that's missing and that's why people there is a resistance for this in my opinion I mean, and most organizations that i have seen there is a resistance because you've not defined uh, a good very good point yeah. yeah it's a pretty very interesting point it's not necessarily because there is a fear of failure it's yeah it's more so because there are these islands of you know processes and there is nothing to bind them together and there is no seamless yeah. flow of information very interesting yeah. i never thought about it like that but yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah you know shashan what do you think are the common mistakes people end up doing when they you know everybody goes and says i want to establish a design culture what mistakes do people end up doing in that process i i would say that you know typically uh, i mean this is just my experience i'm speaking from the people they'll hire um not hire the right champion first and okay let me just backtrack a little bit i think the right thing to do for a company or for organization to build a design culture is that not to hire uh, a designer because you know that typically tends to again because he tends to think that in in his own domain and what should typically happen is that within the top management you should identify a person who is sort of more right brain oriented who is probably who who understand so he has to become the executive sponsor in the management team and i think then you know then everything flows flows very well most organization the mistake that they make is that you know they'll go and go ahead and hire a very senior design leader or design manager who i think thinks it very very purely from from his design function or from purely from his his design orientation which i think is in my opinion a right design leader and it could be a designer as well i'm not saying that you know and and i'm not making a generic case here but i'm saying that by and large most designers tend to think about only design function but if there is a uh, a designer who has a good business orientation that's the right person to say so the so the point i'm making is that when you hire a leader he is and of course he should understand or he should have a good knowledge or understanding of the design function but he also should have a good understanding of the business and those mm-hmm. are the right people to bring bring into build the build the culture because without that it it's sort of still becomes part of the silos in my opinion it becomes very transactional transactional become very siloed tends to stay away from the mainstream is what 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 it's what i'd see or do you want to add to this yeah i mean this is a very uh, good point that you need to have the leadership who can drive the culture i mean not necessarily a designer who are very focused on executing their tasks right unless that person is of of the nature who understand the business aspect at the same time capable of building design culture another challenge that that i have seen which is little practical in nature but in a way companies hire designers tons of designers in like one or one or two but they expect the designers to find their own way there is absolutely no guidance no way probably what sasang just said makes sense i mean if there is something that is driving this set of people and guiding them showing a north light things would be very different but that's not the case that the biggest challenge that i see is we hire a bunch of designers we expect them to run like headless chickens on their own mm-hmm. thrown into a pit yeah should not happen yeah cool cool wonderful so you know it's been like 50 amazing minutes of our conversation I, imagine i were to come to you and ask you hey guys i'm going to start a startup tomorrow and i need a piece of advice from you both you know to help me you know establish this design culture over a period of time right if i were to come to each one of you and if you were to give me like you know a point or two to help me set up that design culture what would that be <laughs> who wants to start passes fingers first <laughs> or if you want to sorry 
Yeah, yeah. I, I had told earlier as well. If you want to really have a strong design culture within your organization, give designers their due place within the organization. Don't make it, make them part of development team or marketing team or or business analyst team. They are not any of this. They are a separate function altogether. Give them their due position within the organization. Allow them to participate in the strategic direction that the organization is supposed to take. They have high impact on how the revenue that you make and how the business is run. That is one. And don't, like I said, you know, don't treat them like if I hire a bunch of them and they will, they they know what needs to be done. And some team will tell them what UI to be done and they will do it. That's not how it works. You have to understand their superpower and you have to figure out, figure out a way to empower them as well. Right? And that, that includes in terms of a budget or access or you know, years, a listening year uh, to, to appreciate what they are trying to, trying to achieve and time, of course. And finally, it's not about creating a studio and uh, saying that, okay, we have a design team and we have a lab. I've seen that, okay, that, that, that also happens. And we be, the people feel good that, okay, we have a lab and we have given some creative space, so-called creative space within the organization. See, this might help the design team to be uh, creative because you have given some space. But more, more than that, is that, you should provide a way to collaborate better. You know, figure out a way so that they collaborate better, better work together better. A space is just a, just a space. And empower them to be to have access to end users, which is a missing piece in most of the companies. As much we speak, we still don't have access to end users. And we still don't discuss on the challenges and faced by the development team to execute on the design team's ideas. So how do you bring in a sense of uh, togetherness, a sense of collaboration, a sense of user centricity that will define how you build your design culture within the organization. Wonderful, wonderful. Shashan? Yeah, I mean, I would say that you, uh, you have to uh, get the right team, uh, I mean, or maybe a small team together. And, you know, you have to give them the right respect to give them the right goals that they, they have to do. I mean, these goals have to be very fairly strategic so that they can go. And let them do their stuff, and of course, not not completely leave them sort of out, out there, but also board them with some accountability. Right? Say, okay, hey, you are responsible for these goals, and we have to see how they can do. I think that will make them feel more empowered. I think it's all about empowerment. I mean, if you can yeah. empower them, if you can make them feel, say, okay, hey, you be responsible for these goals. Ex- do whatever it takes to execute on these goals and deliver me results. I think that's what any any startup should do, and I think that that's what we should we should uh, all aim to begin with. And in especially if there is some sort of a tech platform to help me manage this, we do this. That's even better. Yeah, I was about to say that if I if you had asked me this question, I would have simply said you stupid. Fantastic. I think taking away a bag of knowledge with me, I, I think I I. The, your responses were pretty intriguing. I had absolute fun. It was supremely exhilarating. And yeah, this is just the first of many, many episodes that will that will that will follow. And thank you once again. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks.